One of my earliest memories and one of my fondest memories was of my first vacation Bible school. My mother loaded all of us in uh, the pickup. Back then, you didn't have to wear seat belts. And so it was my three little sisters and me and my mom. She drove uh, about 20 minutes away down a gravel road to a small country church. It was really sort of picturesque. That's why it's one of my favorite memories. It sat just off the gravel road, uh, back just a little bit with some shade trees. It was a white, what I call, clapboard building with a tin roof with a small steeple and a bell and a cross on the top. Absolutely no air conditioning. Absolutely no indoor plumbing. Why was it your favorite memory? Well, there were a lot of reasons. We did our classes out under different trees, except... When it came time to do the Bible stories, we would go inside and the pastor would do the Bible stories for us. And then the highlight of the week for me was standing beside that creek. It had a creek there and a low water bridge you'd cross over to get to the church. And, and the creek was spring-fed, so it ran year-round, didn't matter what time of year it was. And, and as I watched from the side with the other Vacation Bible School kids and parents and grandparents that could be there... Uh, I watched as the four who'd accepted Christ, the pastor and his wife had little robes for him, and those little white robes, he walked out there, turned them the right way so the water wouldn't run up their nose, and he dunked them. He baptized them. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay? And what I really liked was after they did that, everybody was so happy, they just had dinner on the grounds. And I'm always for a favor of dinner on the grounds. But here's what it reminded me of. It reminded me, and still does to this day, about the purpose, the true purpose of Vacation Bible School. You can see the decorations here, and if you walk through the rest of the church, you will. There's a lot of time, energy, money uh, spent on Vacation Bible School for this purpose. That's this. Repentance of sin and faith placed in Jesus saves us. Repentance of sin and faith placed in Jesus saves us. And VBS is all about sharing Jesus with our community. And we need to remember that. Now, uh, I asked uh, Stephanie to print off on the handout, the little thing about VBS. I hope you've read it. Some of the statistics I'm going to share and some I'm not. So you read that. But some facts about VBS as we get started. Uh, it has been around in different forms since 1898. Can you believe that? For the you that don't know, that's older than me and Brother Ronnie put together. How's that, Brother Ronnie? All right. Okay. From a standpoint, as far as the Southern Baptist Convention, it has been a part of our evangelism strategy. strategy since the 1920s. Here's one for you that I hope will rock your world. 25% of all the baptisms in the Southern Baptist Convention are a result of Vacation Bible School. That's 25%. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> last year it was used by 25,000 churches in our convention. And it impacted more than 2.5 million people, counting workers, those that came, and families. Last year, because of Vacation Bible School, there were 70,000 baptisms in our convention. Okay? Yeah, y'all can get excited about that. 
there were over 155,000 prospects discovered through Vacation Bible School. Those are people who might not have been in church, but their people came as, as churches followed up. They reached families. That's right. Uh, 1,383 kids responded to God's call either to ministry or missions last year through Vacation Bible School. That's right. Now get this one. 16,528. 16,000,000. 16, no, hold on. Let's, let's do this again. $6,528,962 were given towards mission crosses through Vacation Bible School last year. Okay. Every single day, the gospel is shared in one form or another during Vacation Bible School. You say, why is that important? <clears throat> this fact is this. It used to be that our church members brought their kids every week to Sunday school. Now it's on average two times a month. That's less than two hours a week or a month of Bible school or discipleship training in our churches for these children. Because of Bible school... We do approximately seven months of discipleship in a week where they hear the gospel. Because they're there most every day if you can get them there the first day. Bible school is still important because of what it does. It seeks to reach people for Jesus. And as I said, the scripture this year for Bible school says these things are written. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. So what does that mean to us as we get ready to start? The first thing is this. Notice the writing of Scripture. You see, he said these things are written. John was writing Scripture. He was writing for the purpose of Introducing people to Jesus Christ as the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, however you want to put. And the things that we have written are for that purpose. Second uh, Timothy 3, 16, 17 states it this way. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man, or you can put the woman, the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21 says this, Knowing this first, of their first importance, no prophecy of Scripture is, from any private, is for any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. See, John and the other writers of the Bible were moved by God's Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit, to write his words. Do we understand that? When you look at the Bible, there's literally a love letter to lost mankind. From the beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, it's about God's plan for salvation. It's about Jesus Christ. And these folks, I think, were aware that they wrote the Holy Scriptures. They quoted one another. Now, what I really wanted you to catch was what it said. Look at verse 30 again with me. 
And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. And he goes on in that uh, chapter 21, the last verse, he says, And there were also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. What's the big deal about that, Brother Gary? I think that it's amazing how much was left out, but the Holy Spirit gave us exactly what we needed to know the Savior and to be saved. Jesus. You see, with all we have that wasn't written down, that Jesus did, we have all this that is written down, that we may know Jesus and knowing Him, we may have eternal life if we repent of our sins and place our faith in him we can never get away from that mandate as a church because if we're not telling others that jesus is the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but by him if we're not telling others that all of sin comes short of the glory of god and we're not telling others that the wages of sin is death then we've ceased to be a new testament church and we've become a country club Shouldn't be that quiet in here. It is a fact. Do we understand that? And yet, I wonder if people really realize what the Bible says about Jesus. I know several don't because as I'm out in the community witnessing, I hear all kinds of excuses for not having accepted Jesus. Oh, when I clean up my act, I'll do it. Oh, uh, you know, I'm sort of busy right now. When I get older and have time, I'll do it. Well, you know, I don't really believe all that. That was for another time. It's not for now. Or my personal favorite. Well, preacher, you just have to understand. God and I have an understanding, and I'm okay. And yet, the Bible says none of those things. The Bible says, without knowing Jesus as your Savior, you go directly to hell. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. You're it. And this life is the time to decide on accepting Christ. It boils down to, we don't believe Scripture at all. That's why we need to understand that the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed once for a man to die. In other words, God has his calendar. Each of our names are written on a date and a year. It's an appointment we will not skip. It's an appointment we will not be late for or early for. For God knows. He says, it's appointed once for a person to die, and then comes the judgment. We stand before God in the most pressing question, the very first question. Look in the book. Are there names written there in the book of life? What have we done with Jesus Christ? And if our name isn't there... Depart from me, I never knew you. That's why Vacation Bible School is so important. That's what it's about. The decorations are wonderful. Uh, My classroom had my image in there. Those that were in my classroom saw the big monkey hanging from a vine. Okay? You shouldn't be laughing. I saw some of your images in there too, and I won't mention what they were, okay? The decorations are wonderful. The food is great. The fellowship, the hard work of the teachers, all that is wonderful. But if we fail to share the gospel this week, we have failed in all that we try to do. 
It is not properly done unless Jesus is lifted up. That's why it's so important if you're not teaching or working or helping in some form that you pray every single night for vacation Bible school. For the workers that Satan will leave them and their families alone. For the children that they'll have open hearts. For the Spirit of God to move. And while you're doing that for Vacation Bible School, in August we have a revival. Pray for that too. Do we understand that? In the very writing of Scripture, Jesus is revealed. And we need to look at who He is and ask what we've done with Him. Have we obeyed Him? Are we living for Him? Or are we using our gifts for Him? Then we have what I consider the works of the Savior. You see, He says, these things are written, all these things, he wrote about or written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. See, the gospel writers wrote, and even the Old Testament looked forward and wrote about Jesus, as the Holy Spirit said. Now, what, what kinds of things did they write? In Matthew and Luke, we find out that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's one of the doctrines that we hold. And I believe that you have to hold to be a Christian. The second thing, at 12, in, Matthew, in Luke 2, he went to the temple and he confounded the religious leaders of the day with what he knew about Scripture. Until his mom and dad came and found him and he said, I had to be about my father's business. Do you realize in Matthew 14, we're told one of his miracles was he walked on water and scared his disciples to death until Peter said, if it's really you, tell me to walk. And he walked till he took his eyes off Jesus and began to say, sink and Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. We can keep going. He healed all kinds of diseases. All the Gospels talk about that. People that were blind, that were lame, that couldn't speak. People that had demonic possession were healed by our Savior. In John 11, we're told of him raising the dead. He raised Lazarus. When he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out hopping in his grave clothes when he'd been dead for four days. We can keep going. He said, you must be born again. He told Nicodemus that, and then he wanted to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might live. He who believes is not condemned, but he who believes not is condemned already for one reason. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He said you have to be born again. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. When you read John 19 and 20 and 21, you find out that he died on that cruel cross in my place and your place. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And Acts 1, verses 9 through 11, says that as they watched, he was taken up. He ascended back to the Father. And they were told in the same manner that you saw him go, he'll come back and we're to be working until that day. But again, he died for my sins and for yours. And I know that. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 said, He made him who knew no sin. He was perfect. Didn't die for his sin, for my sin, in my place. He made him who knows sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and your sins may be blotted out. Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. You see, there comes a time in every life when we have to make a decision. Do we believe the scriptures? Do we believe the works that the Savior did? Now, I want to tell you something. Either you believe the Bible or you don't believe the Bible, but don't sit on the fence and pick and choose what you believe and what you don't believe. The Scripture says God cannot lie. That was our Sunday school lesson this morning in my class. If God cannot lie, it follows that the Bible is absolutely true. And if it's absolutely true, you absolutely cannot pick and choose. Why is it so important to believe that? Because if the Bible's wrong at one point, what other point is it wrong at? It's either truth or it's not. If God cannot lie and it says the Holy Spirit moved among men and led them to write as they were supposed to write. And since that happened and it came from God, it's true. Do you have the works of the Savior? Do we believe it? We have the words of the Savior. Do we believe them? Then we have the winning of souls. Proverbs 11.30 says this, He that winneth souls is wise. And it goes on to say, He will doubtless come bringing his sheaves, those that have been won to the Lord with him. The Bible talks about receiving a soul winner's crown because we've led people to Jesus. Do we understand that? Let me summarize something for you about that. See, the Bible, I believe, is written first. So you will know Jesus and accept him as your Savior. I believe second is written so that we will grow in Christ and be useful in the service in the kingdom of God, our Savior. And it was written thirdly so that because we know Jesus and we cannot keep such a gift to ourselves, we will share Jesus with other people. If we haven't done that, we're not doing what God has instructed us to do. You see, you have to repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ to be saved. Then you need to grow in Christ by being obedient. If you're going to be obedient, you'll be baptized. you put your life and work in a church. You'll study your Bibles. You'll pray. You'll serve. And God will grow you into the man or woman you're supposed to be. And in that growth period, you'll learn to share your faith. And you'll start sharing it with others unapologetically of who Jesus is. That's the purpose of Vacation Bible School. But if you really think about it, that's the purpose of the church. If you look around, we have all different ages. Little kids. Folks with more maturity. That's right. Because as... My esteemed colleague, right there with a the big red beard, he's not going to look up at me because he don't want me talking about him, is fond of saying intergenerational worship, intergenerational ministry is really what a church is supposed to do. Am I misquoting you? Okay. So what are you supposed to do this morning? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior, you're supposed to come forward and be saved. 
You know it and God knows it if you have or if you have not. If you need to come and rededicate your heart and life to Jesus because you're not praying, studying, serving, and telling others about Him the way you should, you need to come in rededication. If you need to join the church by baptism or statement or letter, how we receive members, you need to do that. If you need to come and surrender burdens so you can be a better servant, but these burdens are weighing you down and they're consuming your mind and your heart, you need to come to this altar and lay them before the foot of the cross and leave them there. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to use a hymn of invitation, and you come making the decisions that God wants you to make. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for being here. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the different ministries that you've blessed our church with. Lord, they're to uplift the name of Christ. They're to glorify you. And Father, help us to do that in everything we do. And Father, right now, have your way with us. Let us obey you. Let us not leave this place without being in the center of your will. The things I ask in the most powerful name there is, the name of Jesus. Amen.